Hi, this is Jim Lyon. You're listening to Viewpoint. And today in our studio, I have a friend and a guest who I'm so excited to have alongside. His name is Jay Harvey. Jay, thanks for coming over. And thanks for inviting me, Jim. It's great to see you. Now, Jay, you're a local pastor, is that right? That is correct. I mean, you are a shepherd of a flock. I am a shepherd of a flock. That is true. And uh, none finer, I know, because I've sat in your pew. <laughs> and I promise you, Jay, we're so privileged to have you with us today. And I know that you're going to bring to the table some insight, not just from your pastoral vocation, but also from a lifetime. Absolutely. Where uh, you have found that life does not always have to be just as we think it must be, that there are better ways than our ordinary human nature uh, will frame for us. And that brings us to our theme today, which is soul music. Because mm. one thing I know about Jay Harvey, because not only have I sat in your pew, you sat in my pew for That's some correct. time <laughs> when I was pastoring. And one thing I know about Jay is you love the culture. You are, you are really engaged and understand the larger culture around us. You're not in a monastery. You live in a world. And I know you love music and you love pop. You love all these genres of the arts. So if I said the word soul music to mm. you... What comes to mind? Can you name a tune that kind of moves you in that soul music genre? You know what? I, I would immediately go to Smokey Robinson, Tears of a Clown. I was Whoa. very fortunate to grow up in a, in a home where we had lots of varieties of music, and I just always gravitated to Motown, and I love Smokey Robinson. Now, come on. Are you old enough to I really am. know Smokey Robinson? I get that, but you're, you're a young buck. You know what? But from the very beginning of hearing those types of songs, I knew there was something special about them. And, and uh, when they were played in the house, uh, they just lit me up. And so I love Motown, and especially uh, Smokey Robinson. You know, Tears of a Clown. Okay. I can see myself exactly. I'm in college when that song is out, and I'm driving my car. I can tell you where I am. I'm on the Banfield Expressway in Portland, Oregon, where I was going to school. <laughs> I, can, I can see it, and it's so amazing that music can so powerfully engage us, not just our heads, but our hearts and our emotions. Absolutely. And just like a scent or a fragrance or a taste, it's kind of a full-body experience. Mm. And that song is about a romance, but it has different layers, that tears of a clown... What is it about that song that, that strikes you? I mean, why do you remember it? Well, first of all, you, you can't imitate the voice of Smokey Robinson. <laughs> okay, gotcha. And so for, for the Musically. first time, yes, for, for the first time you hear Smokey Robinson sing, you, you not only hear his unique voice, but hear the passion, hear the, uh, the care in which he takes in singing the song, the lyrics. It, to me, was maybe one of the first times I'd heard somebody's heart in a song. In, in a lot of his songs. And so there was just something special about it that reached into my heart. And every time I hear that song to this day, it does the same thing. And it does have many layers, doesn't it? And soul music is a kind of assignment we've given to a particular style of pop. But actually, soul music might be describing any kind of music that actually moves your soul. That's right. So if I were to ask you, Jay, what do you think is the most famous soul music of all time... Can you take a guess? Mm, why don't you inform me? <laughs> well, it was a good setup. And actually, I would say the 23rd <laughs> Psalm. What? The 23rd Psalm. Because you see, the Psalms are actually a collection of soul tunes written at least over 30 centuries ago. We don't know the melodies that were set to the words, but we know the words. We still have the lyrics. And this collection of lyrics in the book of Psalms, like the 23rd Psalm, have been moving hearts, been moving souls, and are still powerful to engage us. And that's what we're doing here in Viewpoint. We're looking at soul music, not Motown, not what might come out of Southern California, not what you might hear on the radio. We're looking at soul music today through the lens of the Psalms, music that is transcendent over cultures and times, universal truths 
that speak into our hearts. When we come back, let's talk about some soul music today, Jay, that still rings true after more millennia than we can probably understand. Jay Harvey, as we uh, think about soul music in the Psalms, I just have to stop and say, as we explore some of these tunes, I want to acknowledge how inspired I've been by a guy named Clovis Chapel. Now, there's a name. Have you heard that one? I, I have not heard that one <laughs> up until just maybe a couple of days ago, because, but I'm so glad I have. Because I threw that out to you as I knew you might be coming uh, here to join our broadcast. But Clovis Chapel was a Methodist preacher way back when he's been well, passed away for many, many decades. I'm not sure when exactly offhand he passed away. He was born in the 19th century. He was a Southerner. But the thing about Clovis Chapel was that he had a unique capacity to bring scriptures, to bring the Bible, both Old and New Testament, to life in a way that speaks right to all of us in an ordinary way. And I found a book on my shelf that I have not visited in many, many years called Sermon from the Psalms that Chapel wrote in the 1930s. And it's a collection of of just thoughts from the Psalms, and I just want to bear witness. As you and I, Jay, walk through some soul music today, a lot of our thinking has been inspired by this great man who I think the Holy Spirit inspired back then, and that same Holy Spirit is inspiring us now. And one of the soul tunes that uh, Clovis Chapel just stopped, and you might say spun on his turntable, was in the 73rd Psalm. And Jay, as we read these words. Remember, they're lyrics. They're lyrics to a song. Again, we don't know the tune, but we know the content. Let's start at verse 1. We're reading from the New Living Translation. Jay, give us those first few verses in Psalm 73. Psalm 73, uh, verse 1, truly God is good to Israel, to those whose hearts are pure. But as for me, I came so close to the edge of the cliff. My feet were slipping and I was almost gone, for I envied the proud when I saw them prosper despite their wickedness. They seem to live such a painless life. Their bodies are so healthy and strong. They aren't troubled like other people or plagued with problems like everyone else. They wear pride like a jeweled necklace and their clothing is woven of cruelty. This is verse seven. These fat cats have everything their hearts could ever wish for. They scoff and speak only evil. In their pride, they seek to crush others. They boast against the very heavens and their words strut throughout the earth. And so the people are dismayed and confused, drinking in all their words. What does God know, they ask? Does the Most High even know what's happening? Look at these wicked people, enjoying a life of ease while their riches multiply. And then I thought to myself, did I keep my heart pure for nothing? Did I keep myself innocent for no reason? Wow. The psalm goes on, but boy, talk about tears of a clown. (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) Talk about emotive. There's so much here. And when we come back, Jay, let's dive into this soul tune lyric, and let's just see what we might find that will help us in the here and now. As you're listening to our broadcast today, we want you to know that we're always glad to hear from you. And we have a toll-free number that you can dial 24 hours a day, seven days a week. And I promise you, a member of our ministry team will pick up that phone and speak with you. Our toll-free number is 1-800-757-VIEW. That's 1-800-757-8439. I'll give you the number again at the end of our broadcast today, but just now know we are so glad to hear from you. 
having read uh, Psalm 73 and a few verses, Jay, can you go back to verse 2? Because this is the part, as in every song, there's, there's like a key. There's a linchpin phrase that you remember above all the rest. And in Psalm 73, soul music from the ages, verse 2 is really the whole. What does it say? It says, but as for me, I came so close to the edge of the cliff. My feet were slipping and I was almost gone. Vivid. Very <laughs> as, vivid. As, you, as you are reading it, I'm seeing the Grand Canyon. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I'm seeing that big glass thing that people walk out on over there. Yes. <laughs> Imagine myself tipping over. I came so close, maybe some loose rock on the path on the way to the edge of the rim. Mm. We can see that it's a metaphor for life. And I think most of us travel down life's road and we're not always conscious how close we are to the edge. I mean, ever driven somewhere, Jay, when you finally get to your destination, you just stop and think, man, did I miss an accident? (laughs) Was there a close call when that guy cut me off or that truck began to move in my lane and I almost went to the shoulder? There are so many places in life every day that God steps in and we miss those things of of his protection and and how he's ordering our steps. And we seem to just focus on what could have been or should have been or how everyone else maybe even got there before we did. And we take so much for granted. Now, the truth is most of us are just oblivious I mean, I just drove up to the studio today to meet up with you, and uh, I'm driving up the interstate highway, and honestly, I can't even recall my close calls. Mm-hmm. I'm sure the people who got out of my way yeah, probably are thinking so. of that. Probably but, right. you know, we're just oblivious in life. But this guy who's writing this music, he has a moment where he realizes, whoa, I'm on the edge. Mm. I'm close to stumbling. I'm going to fall down here. I could get hurt really bad. All of the sure-footedness that I've known before is, is crumbling away. There's loose rock falling away from the path. Whoa, as for me, as I'm looking around the world, I realize I'm on the edge of a cliff right. and I could tumble over. And that is a moment that all of us come to every now and then. Mm-hmm. A lot of life we just pass by, but every now and then we come to a place where our faith is shaken or mm. circumstances move in a way that we just like, oh man, I'm not sure I can have an anchor anymore. What I thought was stable isn't. What I depend upon doesn't seem to be. And you know what? That could be somebody I know. A marriage could unravel, and I thought I had it together, but it's not. My kids are unraveling. I thought they were together. They're not. My job was secure. It's not. My health is good. It's not. God is on the throne, and things should be working out together for the good. It's not. What brought this guy to the cliff? What do you think, uh, as you're looking at this, that his own lyric tells us, put him on the edge. Yeah, I, you know, I, I think it's such a powerful uh, acknowledgement by the author to say, I know I'm close to the edge. And I think a lot of times people have a hard time expressing that. That's one of the, the things that I counsel people on the most is they feel like they can't say those things to God. They can't admit that they're on the edge. So I think step one is is to realize where you are and that it's okay. God is certainly big enough to help you get your footing back. But I think what, as we read down through the psalm, we find out is they're looking at everything else around them, and they're they're making judgments about what is going on in other people's lives that that don't care about God, that don't have faith, and, and how they seem to prosper. And so they begin to look inward. They begin to look around as opposed to up to the heavens, to God, to to stay connected to him in a way that puts things in perspective. And so the first step is really, if I have a doubt based on what I see, what do I do with that doubt? And is it safe to go to God with that doubt? If not, uh, we just cover those things up and, and we might keep slipping. So it's very, very important to realize 
to be honest with yourself and honest with God about how you're feeling. And to be honest looking around the world. Absolutely. And of course, this guy in the psalm, like many of us, has got a moment where he's just stopped and he's looking around and he's thinking, now wait a minute. Some of these people around me are just really bad. <laughs> they're bad apples, yep. but they're not suffering by it. Mm-hmm. I mean, they're having a good time. They don't have any worries. They got lots of money. They speak disparagingly about God. They have little time for the things that I have held dear. And that's causing my legs to wobble in my faith. And I don't know about you, Jay, but I'm telling you, my, my growing up, and I've lived a while yet, I pass by some temptations, and sometimes I look back and think, well, have I been so stupid right. as, to, as to deny myself some things that other people <laughs> seem to be enjoying, and yet what am I doing this for? Because I've still got trouble, mm. and these people around me don't seem to have that. One of the ways you move to the cliff is when you start trying to make judgments and assess the world around you, and you really just have a superficial veneer. Nobody really knows what's going on in someone's heart. You can't know the context of everyone's story. And what looks like a good time mm. may not really be that. Absolutely. Um, you know, there, there comes a time when, when you, you get to a point when you're on the edge of that cliff and, and God is enough or he's not enough. And if you begin to look around, you may look at what other people are supposedly enjoying. But as you said, you're not getting the whole picture. You're not getting the context. And I think the enemy uses that to our the negative side so that we continue on down that path. And then eventually, sometimes we slip so far that it's a long way back to get on a stable footing. And this guy is on the cliff's edge, and he's looking around, he's going, wait a minute, it's not fair. There's a phrase. Right. Justice. <laughs> it's just not right. fair. <laughs> and truthfully, all of us can find some things in this broken world that just aren't fair. It's not fair that I've had to do this, and Jay, you didn't have to do it. Mm-hmm. Not fair that I've had to sit by while someone else prospered, and they're not even doing the right stuff. I mean, that sense of equity and that that judgment of the whole world as if we had a position from the throne of heaven to be able to see everything. (laughs) That's right. I'm going to be the judge and say it's not fair when actually I'm not God and I'm not in a position to know. Mm. And I promise you, fairness and equity and justice are important concepts. All of us need to align ourselves at some level with those ideas. But you can't look askance at others and diminish your own station and say, well, the world isn't fair, and where is God after all? And maybe I've just been an idiot for surrendering to somebody who's not intervening when these people unfairly get ahead of me. That will only take you to the cliff's edge. How does this guy get out of it? When we come back, let's talk about that. How do you back away from the cliff edge so that you don't tumble over? Foolish heart. Looks like we're here again Same old game of plastic smile Don't let anybody in Hiding my heartache Will this glass house break? How much will they take Before I'm empty? Do I let it show?
standing on a cliff. My life is hanging in the balance. The things that I used to think of as anchors, as sure-footed pavement is crumbling away. The world underneath my feet seems to be shaken. That's the story of our lyricist today in this soul music for the ages from Psalm 73. J.D., have an idea, how did he back away from the cliff's edge? What did he do in his head and heart that caused him to find sure footing again? You know, I think, again, another important part of this process when we cry out to God with this honesty is assessing where we're at, but then also maybe assessing what the alternative is. If there's no hope in him, then where is the hope? And so while sometimes the alternatives look good, when we kind of come to our senses and get some clarity and meditate a little bit on God's Word and start to gravitate back to Him, He puts things in perspective. Well, if, if you want to leave me or you want to go that way, then what is out there for you? So that was, I think, the first step in realizing that He can't summon up the strength to get His footing uh, the way that God wants. He can't do anything to get uh, the justice that He seeks. And isn't it always so funny that the justice that we seek is usually pretty self-serving in these situations but he, he kind of came back to, you know what, you are God, and I am not. And that starts the process of, of getting your footing back. The acknowledgement yes. that here I'm on a cliff's edge, and there's a lot of things I don't understand, and the world is a mess up, and I feel denied, but wait a minute. What's my alternative? Just to let go of all the ropes? Right. <laughs> Just to jump over into the abyss? You know, when I was a young man in my 20s, I traveled in Europe with two other single guys and. Well, it was a great trip, trip of a lifetime. I started the journey, though, as someone really, really holding the hand of God. Mm-hmm. But, you know, after six weeks, uh, three young single guys traveling around in Europe, having a great time, uh, I came to a point through a train of events I won't here describe where I just thought, you know what, this whole God thing is just not taking me anywhere. <laughs> There's lots of stuff to enjoy here that uh, I probably need to taste. And, you know, as I kind of moved out of, I'd say, the orbit of my faith very briefly, and my mind started to run places that my body actually didn't go, but I, I kind of was disengaged from all the, the boundaries. I found that after the initial rush of like, oh, this could be cool, there was a terrible sense of desperation, yes. a terrible sense of aloneness. And I remember getting on the plane to fly back home to Seattle from London over the North Pole, and I, I started to pray. I thought, oh, no, that's silly. I, I'm not praying anymore. Oh, no, no, I really need to pray. <laughs> what if this plane goes down? I mean, all the things that had given me a sense of steadiness were suddenly evaporated, and I had to run back to the convention you've just described. Right. As alluring as that might seem, it's just the edge of a cliff. That's right. And pulling yourself back from the edge and saying, okay, now, wait a minute. There are some convictions here I need to own. There are some things I can stand on that are going to help me sort out this messed up world. Mm. And the psalmist gives us some of that. He discovers, for instance, that, you know, his, his assessment of the wicked and all the fun time they're having is greatly exaggerated. Right. <laughs> you know, right. After a while, he figures out, you know, that's not such an easy ride either. Right. And, and, and I would just add that over time, that those that we put in that category of, of getting to enjoy those things that maybe we don't, uh, because that's the way we were brought up as a Christian, and the things that they get to do that, that somehow seem oh so fulfilling— what we forget and what I forget often is those who are searching for God and haven't found Him yet are living in a way that they want everybody to think is very fulfilling, but at the end of the day, it is not. They are still lost, looking for God, looking for reconciliation, and lonely. They're all lonely, Jim, empty. And, and they're very empty. And so to even have the enemy put that thought in our head is, is so misleading that they're having a better time, perhaps, than we could as, as a believer. Because as you know, 
a believer and someone who's been redeemed is the most fulfilling, yet challenging, yet rewarding relationships that you can have. And the rain falls on the just and the unjust. Absolutely. And storms come for everyone. Mm. And life has many circumstances you can't control. And if you do not have the solid footing of a faith in your maker, mm. and that he's for you, not against you, that he will come alongside, then you are on the cliff's edge. Move back away from the cliff and just make a decision. I'm going to stand in a place where I know I'm not alone. God is beside me, and he's going to keep me safe no matter what I have to face on the road ahead. You know, I think that's, that's part of a treasure that the psalmist, our lyricist here today, discovers, that for all the wealth that he sees around him, for all the trinkets and toys that the people around him seem to have that he doesn't have to possess himself, he realizes he has a treasure just the same, and it's more valuable, and it transcends time and age and generation, no matter what phase of life he's in, it's still going to be a treasure, it's still going to work, and that's the knowledge of God. Mm. And there's something there, there's a conviction that you have to have, which brings us maybe to the third conviction that maybe is the key to the whole, and that's that God satisfies. Yes, and, and, and the realization of that, even in the midst of the times that we doubt or are in suffering or, or even on the mountaintop experiences, there, there's a peace that does transcend. And the peace that we often seek is a life without complications, but the peace that God offers uh, sits down with us in all facets of life and is satisfying. And I, and I believe when we get there, uh, we should do everything in our power to stay there. <laughs> but uh, that, that can be difficult sometimes. And if you go back to just kind of the vivid imagery of the psalmist, and you see yourself, for instance, at the edge of the Grand Canyon, let's say this huge chasm, and you're close to the edge and you suddenly are conscious of the reality, I may fall off. And you pull yourself back, just you stand still for a minute and think, well, wait a minute, what's happening? The honest acknowledgement of I'm in a crisis here. I'm in a crisis about the way in which I see the world, which frame the world around me. And then you step back and realize, Running away from God, running away from a community of faith, running away from things that have anchored great souls for centuries does not make you any safer or bring you any more joy. And then you start identifying these convictions that, that hold you steady. If you could imagine your mind just walking through the steps, you're actually backing away from the cliff's edge, and you're going to find yourself in a beautiful place where there are some flowers in bloom and where the air is clear and the sky is blue. And no matter how chaotic the other people may be on the edge of the cliff passing by you on the path, you're in a safe place, a solid place. And that's where we really want to live. Yes, God satisfies. Jesus is the only way to help us understand wholeness. And finding life with him and relating to our maker through him and surrendering our course into his hand is where life is found. Jesus said, I am the way. Come back from the cliff. <laughs> I am the truth. I've got some convictions you can stand on. And I am life. We don't know where you are today. It's hard for us to know you as you're listening and we can't see your faces, but we know this. All of us are on a journey and all of us honestly, will experience much of the same along life's road. Maybe I've had some hard knocks that you haven't had yet, or maybe you've had some that I haven't had yet, but all of us are going to go through some twists and turns, some tough spots, and all of us are going to be tempted to look around us and say, wait a minute, that's not fair. Is God even paying attention? We're here to tell you, yes, he is, and he can hold you, and he can breathe life into you. What you have to do, though, is just stop, be honest, 
and make a decision. I'm going to surrender my life into his hand. We'll start with us right now by joining us in prayer. We're going to pray and we're going to speak to God. You come alongside and you can speak to God with us. Our Father, we're so thankful today that you know every one of us by name and you know exactly where we are on the cliff's edge. You know about the dangers and you know about the temptations. You do know completely about how everyone's life is unfolding. You know hearts and minds and ambitions and desire. You know what's healthy and what's unhealthy. You know it all and you know everything about us. Lord, I pray that our eyes will be fixed on you, that we'll look up, not down, that we will find in your face and in your words and in your spirit steadiness. Lord, breathe into everyone who's joining us in this prayer now a sense of steadiness. I pray, Lord, that all of us will just surrender our lives into your hands once more. We admit that we are not able to negotiate the path alone, that we are prone to error. We know that we can't see everything you see, and we know that you can walk two steps ahead for the good. And we know, Lord, that you are where life is found. We surrender our lives into your hands. Forgive us of our sin and make us new. And we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Now, what next? Give us a call. Just dial this number, 1-800-757-VIEW, 1-800-757-8439. You may want to talk about your spiritual journey. You may have another question about the text or about anything. We want to hear from you. If you would prefer not to dial us up, well, then go online. This is our web address, cbh, that's Christians Broadcasting Hope, cbhviewpoint.org. You can read about the ministry there. You can send us an email, and we will reply. Or at the last, another option. Just send us a letter by post. Address it to Jim Lyon, Viewpoint, Post Office Box 2420, Anderson, Indiana, 46018, USA. But whether you call us on the phone, go online, or use surface mail, let us hear from you this week. Jay Harvey, thanks for coming along. It was a blessing. Thank you for inviting me. But I have to say, I'm never going to hear tears of a clown without seeing your face. (laughs) I'm going to go download it right now. (laughs) And we thank you for coming alongside. We hope you'll be with us again next week when we here at Viewpoint talk some more about soul music, music from the ages for you today. For all of us at the Viewpoint team, this is Jim Lyon. Stay tuned.